0: Hello, everyone, and for those of us joining online, welcome again. Uh, We are in the series, Hearing God's Voice, week number two. Uh, Christianity is not about doing the church thing, going to church and trying to be a good person. It's about being in a relationship with your God, the God who made you. It's about being in a relationship with Christ, that He died on a cross for you so that you could... Have a relationship with him for all eternity and because he is a relational god like any relationship um, he speaks to us and we speak to him and so in this series we're looking at this god who speaks he's still speaking today and he wants to speak to you as you journey through life that each day you're in a sense saying lord what do you want me to do lord what do you want me to say lord where do you want me to go And you're talking with the lord as you hear his voice and uh, in this series we're looking at four ways god speaks to us first in scripture secondly in community uh, through circumstances and through the holy spirit and i mentioned last week i was in my early 20s when i started to uh, put uh, my decisions through this grid you know who to marry should i get married and where should i go what job uh, should i take what vocation and um that was in my early 20s today i'm much more confident in hearing god's voice and i want to say to you if you're not confident in hearing god's voice god does not want you to be paralyzed by decisions where you're like i just i don't know what to do and you're just full of fear and he doesn't want you if you make a decision and you're trying to seek him you make a decision to second guess it all the time and always be second guessing and thinking, what was that the right decision? And if you're here and you've made a bad decision in the past, you've done something you know that you shouldn't have done, um, I wanna tell you that God is a God who forgives and he wants you to get back on track with him and walk with him and he wants to speak to you as well. And so if you're just struggling with trying to hear God's voice, I wanna share two things to keep in mind. One, it takes time It takes time. You learn to recognize his voice. And secondly, you understand his sovereignty and his grace. When you can better understand that he's in control of everything, he's doing his big plan, and you're included in that. When you're making decisions in your small little story, you realize he's ultimately working and involved in my life, and so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to relax a bit. The pressure's not all on me, so I understand His sovereignty, but I also understand His grace that when I am seeking God and, Lord, I want to do Your will, and I make a decision, even if to me it's like, oh, was that God's will? Did I do the right thing? And, and you're not sure, maybe you make a misstep. He's not a God who comes along and berates you. In this relationship, He's a God who's like, okay, that's okay. Get back up. Let's go. So you can and you are really to hear God's voice as you journey through life. And last week we began with scripture. This is his primary, primary way of speaking to you. Every time you open scripture, all scripture is God breathed, it's God speaking to you. God is saying to you, here's who I am. God is saying to you, here's who you are. And by the way, in our culture, it's like find yourself. You're not going to find yourself and be whole apart from God. It starts with God. Who is God? Then who am I? Then you're also opening his word, and he's telling you things that he's done for you. He's telling you things he's promised to do for you. And then he's also telling you in his word, here's what I want you to do for me in the relationship, and so you're learning and growing as you're listening to him in the word. And I know for myself, sometimes uh, when I open the Bible, and it's a discipline, it takes work, and time and time again, but sometimes there's a verse, and God will speak to me directly, right through that verse. I've mentioned Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. He uh, has brought that verse to mind so many times in my life, but there's other verses. Sometimes he'll speak through a verse to you. Other times it might be a principle. You're reading a proverb, or you're reading the way he works, and it, it in a sense, applies to your situation. So, God speaks to us uh, in, in His Word, in Scripture. And again, every time you open the, your, the Word of God, it's the voice of Jesus speaking. It's His Word And last week, we uh, looked at that very relational passage of Jesus when He uh, shared this, My sheep listen to My voice, I know them, and they follow Me. So, if you belong to Jesus, even if you're a new Christian, okay, you're learning to listen to the voice of Jesus. He wants to speak to you, and He wants you to follow Him. So, that was last week in Scripture. Today, we're looking at community, that God speaks through His people. God speaks through His people. God speaks through people. Uh, if you look at in your Bibles, you'll find that God used Ananias to speak to Paul. He used Peter to speak to Cornelius. He used Abigail to speak to David. He used Mordecai to speak to Queen Esther. He speaks through people. Interesting, and we'll get to this near the end of the message, but He not only speaks to you in community, but He speaks through you in community, okay? This place, this community, is where God wants to work and speak. And can I, just as we begin, share with you a verse that I have said since my 20s, and it's Proverbs eleven fourteen, 14, and it says, In the multitude of counselors there is safety. The more you have godly counsel, the better your decisions will be. You need godly people speaking into your life. God's got a plan, and He speaks through people. So what we're going to do today is we're going to look at how God speaks in community through people. What does that look like? But before we do, I want to talk about God's vision for community, that God wants to speak among us. But I want to start just briefly. What's God's vision? And it's a reminder for some of us, and for some of us it will be new. So let's look at community. Believers in Jesus, they put their faith in Jesus, they come together. ecclesia in the Greek, called out ones. They come together. What's God's vision for that community? What's God's vision for Woodside? I'd like to just share two things this morning. First, Woodside is to be a place where the love of Jesus is found. When followers of Jesus gather at Woodside, there ought to be, this ought to be the most loving place. Okay, Uh, this is a topical series, so we're gonna look at two different passages today. The first one is Colossians 3. So if you have a Bible or device, I invite you to turn there, or you can follow along with the words on the screen. Paul's describing a community of faith. He's describing, this is God's vision for Woodside. Colossians 3, beginning in verse 12. We'll be reading verses 12 through 14. Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourself with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Bear with each other and forgive one another if any of you has a grievance against someone. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. And over all these virtues, put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. Therefore, as God's chosen people, we are God's chosen people. We are holy and dearly loved. And when you grasp that reality, and you, and you, and you, and I grasp that reality, when we understand God's amazing love for us, that it's a perfect love. Can I just say, if you're a new Christian, that God does not love Pastor Dan more than He loves you, and He doesn't love you more than He loves Pastor Dan. It's a perfect love said in the, in the Hebrew, it's a, it's a love that's different than uh, a human love, our everyday love. Uh, it, he loves us, and people that grasp that at Woodside, and that's their center reality, it then flows out of them to other people, and the virtues here, they're gentle with people, they're patient with people. Anybody here at Woodside, you might be frustrated by somebody, maybe even here at Woodside, okay, just maybe turn around, look, right? But that love is expressing your love to that person, It's flowing through. I'm gonna be patient, I'm gonna be patient. And just to note there on the one another's, God's people one another, Uh, sometimes I'm asking, well, where in the Bible does it say to join a church? Why should I join a church? Why should I join Woodside? Um, in Scripture, all these one another commands are describing church settings, church congregations that come together, and in that coming together, there is a commitment. The whole, every time you look in your Bible and you see the word brother or sister, it's talking about the household of faith, the church family, and so all these one another's, the implication is, is that you're a part of this group, and church membership is about two things primarily. It's about commitment that you're saying, hey, you know what? The people at Woodside, I believe what they believe. Not on every single issue, secondary issues, but on the essentials of the faith. They follow Jesus. That's me too. I'm committed to Him. And because we're committed to Jesus, we commit to one another. First John 4 says, uh, dear, uh, dear friends, since God so loved us, we ought also to love one another. And love is attachment. So, God so attached himself to us, we also ought to attach ourselves to one another. When you're joining Woodside, you're saying, I'm in, I'm committed to this church. Secondly, church membership is about mission. It's about like, I'm not living for myself. I'm living for Jesus. That person is, that person is, And so, together, I want to be part of this. I want to bring God's kingdom uh, to this area, and as we heard earlier, around the world. So, all of those one another's are talking about a church commitment and church mission. So, if you haven't been, if you're not a part of our church family, we encourage you to consider membership uh it's it's a very important thing so here Paul describes this community that they love each other notice again therefore it's God's chosen people holy and dearly love clothe yourselves with all of our actions and these virtues described come out of God's love for us again the Christian faith doesn't start with becoming I gotta love that person beside me it starts with beholding God loves me like this so much and that reality then affects how I love someone else. I'm already loved. And just a couple notes before we move on. The love of Jesus, a couple things it's marked by when you're loving Jesus and I'm loving Jesus and we get his love. First, it's marked by diversity. Uh, Paul talks about this when the early church was coming together in that day in the first century in the greco-roman world the jews and the and the non-jews the gentiles hated one another didn't talk to one another despised one another and yet paul says jesus broke down that dividing wall and they were reconciled as one can i tell you that issue is bigger than any issue we're facing today and christians we can come together even though we may not agree on every little thing can i get an do we say amen anymore in the church okay Can I talk politics? Can we say amen in the church? Okay, right? He breaks that down, okay? Not just different political views, different genders, different backgrounds, different educational um, uh, abilities, different economic economic status. All of these differences, different skin color, all of these things were one in Christ, were marked by diversity. Secondly, the love of Jesus creates safety. We live in a culture right now that is so unsafe. If you have the wrong opinion, you're canceled. This person accuses this person. This person doesn't like this person. There's so much vitriol out there. With the people of God, in their love, in his love for them, there's safety. That this is a place where you're not walking on eggshells and saying, is anybody gonna judge me? Is anybody looking down on me? That's not Woodside. Woodside is to be a place where we care for one another, we support one another, as we just read, we're we're forgiving and bearing with one another and encouraging one another and praying for one another. So I wanna say, if you're new to the church, we're hoping that you'll find Woodside to be a place where you don't have it all together, but you can come, and it's okay to talk to someone about your struggles, that you're not being criticized or judged. Now, does that mean we excuse sin? Not at all, but at Woodside, we're always leading with grace and then truth. So. Whitside is to be a place where the love of Jesus is found second. God's vision for us here is that Whitside is to be a place where the truth of Jesus Jesus is made known. Uh, in verse 16, Colossians three. Paul goes on, let the message of Christ dwell among you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom through psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit, singing to God with gratitude in your hearts. So, we have this gratitude for all God's done for us, and we're singing and worshiping Him. But notice, too, the Word of Christ, the Word of God, the truth of Jesus is dwelling, it's made its home in us, that you are opening the door to the Word of God coming in. Again, Jesus is the loudest voice in your life. What do you say to me, God? The Word of Christ is dwelling in you. It has a, His home in you, and it's richly, meaning that it's profiting you. Did you know, we'll talk about this in, uh, when we get to Psalm 119, that reading God's Word and it being immersed in it, it's good for you profiting, but not just yourself. Notice, as you teach and admonish, there's that one another phrase again, as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom, that it's dwelling in you, the doors open, and you're sharing it with someone, they're sharing uh, it with you, and you're profiting. Teaching has the idea of instructing, encouraging, uh, admonish the idea of correcting, So, God's vision for us here at Woodside is that on a Sunday morning, I'm encouraging you and instructing you. I'm sometimes correcting you, but it's not just Sunday morning. If you're in a Bible study, if you're in a life group, if you go to Friendship Club, if you're in a junior youth event or a senior youth event or a young adults group, if you're at Evergreen, if you're part of the care support ministry, in all of these places, that's God's vision that God is speaking through us to each other. We're teaching and admonishing one another. God wants to speak to you through this community, but he also wants to speak through you in this community. So that's God's vision for us here at Woodside. Place of love, truth is made known. Now, in the midst of that community, um, I wanna point out before we move on this very important reality is that we have to be intentional about letting the word of Christ dwell in us richly so that we teach it and we admonish one another. We have to be intentional. I wanna take for a moment to talk to Christian parent, Christian parents, parents here, okay? But before I do, here's a quote from N.T. Wright, and here's what he says. Where no attention is given to teaching and to constant lifelong learning, people quickly revert to the worldview or mindset of the surrounding culture and end up shaped by whichever social pressures are most pervasive with Jesus as a pale influence or memory. I love that quote. If we're not intentional, we're going to be shaped by culture, and Jesus is kind of like a little add-on. Now, I'd like to talk to parents here. Parents that are homeschooling their children, parents that have their kids in Christian school, and parents that have their kids in public school, I'm talking to you. Did I miss anybody? Anybody else got kids and they're doing, okay, right? I'm talking to all the parents. Your children need this community of faith so much. Sunday morning, can I encourage you to bring him here to Sunday school, even during the week. Yes, you've got other activities, but they need to hear the Word of God. They need to experience the love of Jesus as well. But we are living in a secular culture, a culture without God. George Barna, who is the founder of the barner research group he's been looking at what we call worldviews worldview is how you look at how you see and interpret the world around you and for years he's tracked the biblical worldview and then the secular worldview and today here's what he says about worldviews um you know he says you know we live in a, a culture of competing uh, worldviews and describing the secular or describing people today here's what he says how profoundly superficial, illogical, and inconsistent is most people's worldview. It's a mishmash of nihilism, existentialism, postmodernism, mysticism with a little Christian theism thrown in there as well. In other words, people, what they believe and, and, and then how they act, it's like, oh, that sounds good to me. I like that. Oh, I don't like that. I'm not going to believe that. Oh, I feel good about that. And they put it all. It's kind of like Jesus talked about the sinking sand. You're building a foundation. It's all coming down. And so for a lot of people, it's a regurgitation of the news they're watching and of the feeds they're following, right? What about Facebook says? What Instagram says? What is... Okay, I just got to be careful here. But sometimes you can be talking to someone who's like... You've been watching Fox News quite a bit, haven't you? <laughs> or you've been watching MSNBC News, haven't you? It's just a regurgitation. Nobody's thinking about, huh, does this, is this consistent? Does it make sense? And just before we go on, parents, please understand the secular worldview that your child is experienced is being pushed upon them again and again. Not just, hey, we want a culture where there's no God, but we don't want any Signs of any religion. It was interesting. Uh, a couple of weeks ago, was it um, uh, Coco Gauff, uh, 19-year-old teenager, uh, won the U.S. Uh, Open in tennis, her first Grand Slam, you know, title. And here's this 19-year-old girl. She happens to be a Christian. So, uh, you know, this stadium after this, the the event was over and she won. She went to her bench where she sits and she got in front of the bench and she knelt down. She put her hands together. She closed eyes, and so one of the sports uh, feeds said, "Coco is taking a moment to let it soak in." <laughs> and as one one reporter said, "I'm not really religious, but I'm pretty sure she's praying, right? <laughs> right? Your kids are not seeing people praying on a movie, in a movie, or on TV. It's just..." secular. And again, just a reminder, and I know time I got to get going here, but just a reminder, if you're going to be consistent with a worldview with no God in it, okay, make sure you remind your children they have no ultimate value. Make sure you remind your children they have no ultimate purpose. Your life is meaningless. Make sure you remind your children that there is no right and wrong, ultimate right and wrong. Just go do whatever you want. Anybody like this picking up traction? Love that. And then finally, make sure you remind them there is no ultimate hope if you work through secular worldview. Just a little good news, little glimpse for you. Guess what? The pendulum is starting to come back. At the microphone, we're starting to hear more and more about hey, maybe the secular world worldview is pretty shallow. Maybe there's something else going on and we're starting to see that. So parents, your kids live in a secular age, they live in a digital age, right? Used to be, okay, who's your friends? Are they good influence? Yes, we wanna befriend people, but we wanna make sure somebody's not you know, saying bad things and causing you to do bad things. Uh, used to be, we did that. Now you've got the digital age, Uh, voices coming at your kids from everywhere, and parents, you need to monitor those screens. You need to be diligent. Um, That's another message somewhere about screens, not, can be used for good. We need to redeem them uh, uh, for God's glory. Um, And then another thing, parents, yeah, we're in a secular age, and a digital age, and it can be kind of overwhelming and kind of scary, but can I tell you this, you can speak to your child about God, that God can use you to speak to your child. And even if you're a mom and you just became a Christian, you're like, I don't know a whole lot about God. You can start having other people talk to you. You open your Bible and you can start to to talk about God and that you would be intentional and say, okay, I want to teach my child 10 things about God in the next period of time. And so you're talking to your child at night before they go to bed or something. God is faithful. This God, like sometimes people aren't faithful, but God is faithful. Or God will never leave us or forsake us. He's always with us. Even though we can't see him right now, he's with us. That you, mom, you, dad, can start to talk to your kids about God. Uh, The questions of life, where do they come from? Where are they going when they die? Is there a right and wrong? What's the purpose of life? You're learning more. Every time you open the Word of God and you're hearing from other Christians, you're able to instruct them little by little. But here's my point. You need to be intentional. We at Woodside want to come alongside of you at home, and we want to help your child, having let the Word of Christ dwell in you richly so that you can profit one another. We want to help you come alongside so that your child can be shaped by the word and not by our culture. Uh, I mentioned this to our elders and to our youth, our uh, elders and our uh, staff rather. Um, a couple weeks ago, someone in our children's ministry sent me three pictures of my kids when, about 20 years ago. And each one was in Sunday school, little grasshoppers. And I saw that kid, those kids at that age, and then, now it's 20 years later, and now they're teaching the next generation. And trying to share Christ with the next generation. I, I was just kind of gripped, and you heard that earlier this morning uh, with another family, but just gripped. It's, I'm so gra- grateful not only that Woodside is a loving church, but it's a church where the word of Christ dwells and people speaking into my kids' life. And I'm praying God will use them to speak into other people's lives as well. So, parents, parents, be intentional. But letting the Word of Christ get into your kids. You're not perfect, but we want to help. Okay, let's look now at how God speaks through people. If you have a Bible, I invite you to turn to Exodus chapter 18. And we're going to look. We've talked about, you know, God speak, spoke through people. We're looking at God speaking to Moses through Jethro. Exodus 18, and we're going to begin in verse 13. I want to give you the context. Moses has led the people out of Egypt, across the Red Sea, into northern Saudi Arabia, they're there for a little while, and while he's there, his his father-in-law he, he married a woman called Zipporah years earlier. They had two sons, and he had at one point sent his wife and two sons back home to excuse me to Zipporah's uh, home to to her, uh, her mother and father, and Moses now coming out of the desert. Uh, meets his father-in-law, Jethro, with his wife and two sons, and there's this meeting in the desert, and Moses says to Jethro, uh, here's what God did, here's how he delivered us, and, and Jethro says, oh, praise God, he's the only God, and, uh, and Jethro, who's a priest, he then says he takes an offering and makes a sacrifice to this God, and so Moses and Jethro, they're worshiping God together out in the wilderness. That's where we pick it up in verse 13. The next day, and don't you love that? Moses is worshiping, praising God. The next day, is back at the grind. Anybody else? Back at the grind. The next day, Moses took his seat to serve as judge for the people, and they stood around him from morning till evening. When his father-in-law saw all that Moses was doing for the people, he said, what is this you are doing for the people? Why do you alone sit as judge while all these people stand around you from morning till evening? Moses answered him, because the people come to me to seek God's will. Whenever they have a dispute, it is brought to me, and I decide between the parties and inform them of God's decrees and instructions. Moses' father-in-law replied, what you are doing is not good. You and these people who come to you will only wear yourselves out. The work is too heavy for you. You cannot handle it alone. Listen now to me, and I will give you some advice, and may God be with you. You must be the people's representative before God and bring their disputes to Him. Teach them His decrees and instructions and show them the way they are to live and how they are to behave. But select capable men from all the people, men who fear God, trustworthy men who hate dishonest gain, and appoint them as officials over thousands, hundreds, fifties, and tens. Have them serve as judges for the people at times, but have them bring every difficult case to you the simple cases they can decide themselves. That will make your load lighter because they will share it with you. If you do this and God so commands, you will be able to stand the strain and all these people will go home satisfied. Moses listened to his father-in-law and did everything he said. Notice that last verse. I have one daughter, two sons, one daughter. She's my only daughter she's getting married in two weeks and I'm going to have a son-in-law. And this is my new favorite Bible verse. I love this verse. Love this verse. Moses listened to his father-in-law and did everything he said. Oh. To all you father-in-laws, I was thinking, we could maybe start a ministry and send out weekly emails. How's that? How to hear God's voice in community. Number one, seek out godly people to speak into your life. Every time you come around godly people, you're surrounding yourself and allowing God to speak through them. But there's times you need to seek out someone in particular. Or if you're not really around godly people, you need to get around godly people in your life. And God had uh, used Jethro, who was a godly person, in Moses' life. Notice in verse 12, Jethro, he brought a burnt offering and offered uh, and other sacrifices to God, and he worshiped with Moses. In other words, Jethro was trying to walk with God. Jethro was not far from God. He was trying to walk with God, and God used Jethro. And I just wanna say to you, when you want God, you're open to God speaking to you through people, it doesn't mean you let anybody and everybody in. There's people that you need to let things bounce off of, and you don't because what they say contradicts God and his word. Maybe somebody at work or somewhere in your extended family. Like, okay, thank you, but you're no. That's that's not true. You don't listen to everyone. You're looking for godly people. Now, does that mean God can't speak through a non-Christian? No, not at all. Um, All truth is God's truth, and because of God's common grace, there are people uh, that know how things work. But even but with a non-Christian, they're missing God. Without that spiritual maturity, they're not helping you to put it into its ultimate context. A spiritual person, someone walking with God, is able to help you, you can hear God speak through that person in a, in a in more uh, comprehensive way. Uh, again, I learned this uh, in my early 20s um, about, you know, with all these decisions. And, um, and I remember back in that day, I heard this. I said, it, was, it went like this. With your life, and this was uh, uh, with, with many things, but with your life, if you see someone that, man, I'd like to be maybe where that person is, um, to seek out that person, to ask for, to go for a coffee or whatever. So um, I had the calling of God, on uh, me at 14, believing I was to be a pastor, and so when I was in my 20s, I sought out a particular pastor that I, I respected, I admired, and he helped me. On another occasion, um, I was, uh, uh, you know, kind of looking for a wife and the relational thing and, and, um, and wondering, God, you know, what, and uh, spot out, uh, had coffee with a fellow that I respected, uh, a man, and um, in the midst of like an hour and a half conversation or whatever it was, he said four words. Four words, and I believe God spoke through him to me, and that was able to affect the trajectory of my life. On another occasion, when I was struggling in ministry and just uh, really uh, lots of questions, I uh, sought out someone, a godly Christian man, and, and he said three words, and probably about a two and a half hour conversation, three words, and that helped me. But I had to seek out those people, and you, you. Really, if you want to be a wise person, in the multitude of counselors, there is safety. Seek out people. And can I just say, if you were raised in a Christian home, can you thank mom and dad once in a while? My mom and dad, they have spoken into my life time and time again, and I am so grateful. Um, Not always, uh, you know, as parents, we're not always perfect and say the right things all the time, but man, so grateful that they really wanted the best for me. And I was thinking this week, um, there were two times my mom said things I didn't want to hear. Do you, anybody else, you were a young person at one time, you didn't want to hear what your parents said? <laughs> I didn't want to hear it. Looking back years later, I'm like, oh my goodness, she was right. Oh man, right? And there's different seasons. Sometimes you're going to see someone about this, but another time it's about this. So maybe you're here today and you struggle with anger, you have an anger issue. Is there someone further down the tracks, another Christian, that is dealing with their anger in a healthy way? Or is there someone who maybe hasn't been down those tracks but knows the tracks, a counselor, someone that can help you move down so anger doesn't dominate your life? Or, or what about depression? Maybe you experience depression. Is there someone, and you're looking at this other person, and man, they seem to be doing okay. What, what, what are you doing? How do you do it? And, and you're learning, and you're trying to let God speak through that person to you. Vocationally, um, you're thinking of being a teacher. Is there another teacher you can talk to? Uh, you're thinking of being an electrician. Is there another electrician you can talk to? God speaks through people. What about marriage and parenting? In your marriage, can I encourage you to seek out another couple and talk about marriage? Or if you're parenting and your man is struggling with one of your children or they've got this, seek out someone further along the tracks or someone that knows the tracks. So you seek out godly people to speak into your life. Number two, second, be open and ready to listen to them. You can have all the right people in your life and go visit them and have a coffee, but you're not gonna hear a word they say. You're just gonna keep doing how you always do it. Okay. You have to open your heart and say, God, maybe you might be speaking. Would you maybe talk to me? And that's Moses with his father-in-law. Notice in verse uh, 14, it says, when his father-in-law saw all that Moses was doing for the people, he says, what is this you are doing for the people? And Moses explains. Notice the word saw. His father-in-law had a different perspective into Moses' life. Moses' life, he had a good motivation. I want to help people. God's called me to be a leader, a pastor, judge. It's all because I want to help people. And he was doing a good thing, good motive. But his father-in-law saw something else. Yeah, it's a good motive and you're trying to do a good thing. But then he says uh, in verse uh, 17, Moses' father-in-law replied, what you are doing is not good. Yep, yeah, Moses, good thing, but it's not sustainable. You're going to burn out. And then down to verse 19, listen out to me and I will give you some advice and make God... Be with you, and Moses listened to his father-in-law, and notice it wasn't simply a word of encouragement. There's times that we need to be speaking to one another and encouraging one another. Your faith is just like I just I just I'm praying for you. Your faith uh, is is growing stronger, or I see something in your life. Have you ever thought about this? We're encouraging, but there's a time for correction. Hey. I've just noticed that maybe you're working a bit too much. Have you taken out your wife on a date recently? Or I've noticed that, hey, you're, you've been really negative lately. Is there something going on that I don't know about? Hey, you're open to correction. And Moses is open to his father's correction. Moses could have said to his father-in-law, hey, listen, dude, listen, can I say old man? Listen, old man, years earlier when I was in this desert, my life was kind of out of order, right? I was a fugitive. Um, But I went back to Egypt, and uh, I just let these people out. I'm a superhero. Didn't you see the movie? I'm the guy, right? (laughs) Your day is over. I'm not listening to you anymore. No, he was humble. Moses was a humble man, open to correction. Can I tell you, until the day you die, if you're a father of Jesus, you need to be open to correction, open to teaching, open to learning. I know for myself Uh, I've been married to my wife for 30 years, and I'm still open to God speaking to me through her. And God's doing a good job. That's another sermon series. (laughs) But can I tell you as well, I'm open to my three kids who are in their 20s, trying to hear from them about their generation and trying to learn and grow. As a follower of Jesus, you need to be open to correction. Two reasons we sometimes aren't. Number one, sin, right? If, if I've got sin in my life and I'm not dealing with it, I'm not battling with it, and I just slowly drift away from God, I don't want to hear about God. I don't want people who know God to talk to me. And so just, I don't want that. Uh, Hebrews 3 talks about encouraging one another so that our hearts don't become hard because of the deceitfulness of sin. Sin is attractive. It's glittery. Go down this road, everybody says. Go down there. And next thing you know, you just don't want to listen to any Christians, don't want to listen to mom and dad, don't want to listen to anybody. So sin will keep us keep a closed heart. But another thing that closes our heart is, in, is um, insecurity. When I am insecure, when I don't know who I am in Jesus, and that's why you need to open your Bible and figure out who you are, you need to understand your identity, but when I don't know who I am in Jesus, I go around and I can be insecure, and it's expressed sometimes through inferiority and I can't let you say anything uh, to me because I have to be defensive because, you know, I'm just, I'm not very secure. Or insecurity also is expressed through pride and arrogance. I've told my kids many times about pe- people that are they're proud that we need to pray for them, that we should pray for them because pride is, is just an expression of insecurity. I can't listen to you. Because I got an image to curate, I got to come across, I got to prove something. But when you're secure, when you know who you are in Jesus, you're like, my life is not about me. My life is about Jesus. Okay. What do you want to say, Lisa, to me? Yep. Yeah. What do you want to say to me, kids? Okay. You're open to that. It's not quite that easy, but something like that. <laughs> it's the gift of the gift of community. God's speaking through someone else. God's got a bigger plan for you. Sometimes he speaks through someone to you. So seek out godly people. Secondly, be open and ready to listen. And then thirdly, pray through their counsel along with what God has already been doing in you and speaking to you. You take what they have said and then you go to God and, and you pray it through. That's what, look, notice what uh, Jethro says to Moses. Okay, Moses, this is not good. I want you to set up uh, this system where other people are judging you. Take the hard cases, but let them bear some of the responsibility. And he says, if you do this, and God so commands, you will be able to stand the strain, and all these people will go home satisfied. If you you take my advice, and notice this, and God so commands, if you pray it through, so take what I've said to you, go to God, pray it through. If it's God's will, you believe it's God's will, you discern that. I believe you're going to be blessed, less strain, and the people are going... To be blessed. So, when it comes to decisions, we're taking what people say, and then we're trying to discern uh, God's will in it. And I'm already—it already implies a relationship with God. Lord, I'm trying. What do you want me to do? Like, should I do this or should I do that? And as I'm praying that through, and trying to discern, then I'm adding the voices of godly people and making a decision. So, for example. Let's say I'm a young person, and um, a number of people have pointed out, you're really good with your hands. Man, amazing. And you we kind of like to work with your hands. And so you're like, okay, Lord, when I graduate uh, from high school, what, what am I going to do? Like um, college, university, should I get a trade? And so you meet with a godly person, and the godly person says, I think uh, you'd be a really good electrician. You know, meet for a coffee with someone else, and... She says, I think you'd be a really good mechanic. You meet with someone else, and they say, I think you'd be a really good millwright. You take their counsel, then you go to God. Okay, Lord, here's what they said. And next week, we'll talk about circumstances, and then finally the Holy Spirit. And again, when you do put your decisions through this grid... You can have confidence. Okay, God, I'm seeking you and help me to do your will. I want to close just with this as well, though. God speaks to you in community. And who's God's using? Who, who, Who are the people that are speaking into your life? Are you open? But also God speaks through you in community. That God wants to speak through you to others. God Spoke through Jethro, and just I'd like to just share. Uh, if you're um, the giver and not the receiver of counsel, the givers, can I share this with you? That you need to let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. The more that you can understand God and who He is and what He says, the more that you're able to counsel well. So you 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 let the word of God dwell in you richly. Secondly, go to God on behalf of the other person. Lord, I'm listening, what's what's the word maybe I can give to this person? And um, I do this all the time. I would go to the hospital, funeral home, and like, Lord, what's the word I can give? Lord, is there a verse? Lord, is there something I could say? And sometimes I just get the sense, okay, God, you're saying don't say anything at all, just be a presence there. And so you go to, to God on behalf of someone else, right? What's the word I can give? Sometimes the Lord says, "I want you to make bake some muffins and bring those." I'll speak through those. Um, But you're going to some to God on behalf of someone else. So I'm opening God's word, and I'm going and asking God, Lord, what is it I possibly say to that person? And by the way, if you have children that are older or not walking with the Lord, what Lord, I don't want to come across overbearing but this is who I am, Lord, is there a word, is there a verse, is there something? And, uh, and God has used so many people in this community sharing verses and things, uh, it is just wonderful. And then thirdly, is I, I'm open to the word, I, I go to God on behalf of the other person, and then I speak from a posture of humility. It's not like, God told me you should do this, like you can feel, I think God is saying something through me to you, but it's a posture of humility. Jethro didn't say to Moses, Moses, you do what I say. He said, if you take what I say and God so commands, you really think it's God's will, I think people will be blessed that as you share stuff with people, you realize that person's responsible for their only, for their decision. So you have that posture of humility. I think God might have something for you and to say. So as a community of faith at Woodside, thank you uh, for being a place of love, Thank you for being a place where the truth is made known. Let's keep going. Let's keep going. That's what we're called to do. And in that, may God use us to speak to one another.